0: All right, hi folks. Uh, my name is Steve Lines. I'm the sports editor of the Free Press here, and I'm here with Mike McIntyre, our sports columnist, and we are introducing a new podcast to you folks. It's called Jet Cetera. We're going to talk about things that have to do with the Jets, obviously, and other sports uh, topics, and. Maybe even throw in a little travel once in a while.
1: (laughs) People love the travel. (laughs) Apparently they
0: do or they don't, Mike. (laughs) Um, So anyways, we'll have it, um, oh, every couple of weeks, I think, we'll do this. Uh, Mike and I will sit down and talk about different things as it relates to the Jets. Um, The home opener is tonight, Mike. Uh, They're uh, playing the Minnesota Wild. The Jets just came back from their season opening road trip. Um, They went two wins and two losses. Uh, somewhat surprisingly, based on their lineup, uh, you were on the road with the team—New York, New Jersey, the Islanders, and Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, give us some
1: f- initial impressions of the team, Mike. Well, it's a great road trip to start the year. One of the great things about it, you can sort of you're based out of the same general area for the first three games. Like there was not grueling travel for the Jets. Uh, They were or you or me which is kind of nice to not have to just rush to the airport the next morning kind of an interesting thing that third game on Long Island was originally scheduled for Barclays in Brooklyn which actually screwed the Jets hotel plans up a little bit the Jets were supposed to stay in the same hotel the first five nights but then they changed that game like two weeks ago Uh, it was too late apparently for the Jets to cancel their hotel room so what they actually did Sunday morning the day of the game they checked out of their Manhattan hotel. They bust to Long Island. They then rented a hotel day rooms. They actually just rented a hotel across the street from uh, from Nassau County Coliseum so they could nap. Apparently it was a very I'm told it was a very expensive day of napping. You can imagine the cost involved in renting a hotel to put an entire hockey team up just for a few hours because the Jets were flying to Pittsburgh after the game Sunday right, night. Right. Uh, but of course, logistically, like, like Long Island—if you've never been out there—it's about an hour away from Manhattan, uh, and that's if you get on a good subway and don't get stuck in traffic or whatever. So, yeah, it was a bit of a maybe that maybe that explains why that was probably the worst Jets game of the four uh, Sunday night when they they were really because like uh, they napped too long. Well, or they, something, or, yeah. or just <laughs> you know, they're creatures of habit, right? And that was kind of an unusual thing to do to to bus over an hour. Uh, and then in a completely different hotel, just go and nap. Like, it was it was strange. It's not the way they usually do things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, two and two, uh, I wrote in my column today, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person? Uh, I, I would actually lean towards the glass being half full. Mm-hmm. I mean, two and two, all things considered. I mean, that was a borderline American Hockey League defense. The Jets rolled out the last couple games. No Josh Morrissey, no Dmitry Kulikov. They'll both be back for the home opener tonight and not a moment too soon. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the Jets, you know, it's so early in the season, so it's hard to say the quality of opponent. Like, is Pittsburgh going to be any good this year? I don't know. Are the Rangers or the Devils or the Islanders? So, you know, sometimes you almost need a few weeks to get a sense of, oh, that was a good team they beat or that's a terrible team they lost to. Um, But two and two, same start as last season. Bit of a different vibe in the city. Last year, everybody was talking Stanley Cup, right? Right out of the gate. And I remember when they were 2-2, two and two, people were like, oh my goodness, this is a terrible start. Right. I get the sense 2-2 two and two this year with the team they have, people are maybe at least a little more optimistic.
0: Uh, on the ice, uh, one thing that I noticed, and uh, you tell me if you've heard anything about this, is I noticed a very different style of play yeah. uh, from the forward group. Uh, Paul Maurice I've heard him talking a little bit about this direct line thing and that they were going to play a certain type of game this year um, no matter who was in the lineup they were really going to change the way they played and 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 what I noticed um, was the forwards especially were skating in direct lines passing in direct lines is this something that came up in camp is this something that Maurice sees as a change in the league or what, I mean, it was very, very effective because I got to tell you that the forwards looked very much relentless yeah. and very much like the team of two years ago. Um, they didn't play that way last year, even even no, though they, they were they successful. Didn't. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. that This is a product of what they decided to do like right from day one at training camp this year. Paul Murray said that there was just a handful of things that they were going to work on every day. And one of them was this new system where the forwards were very much more involved. I mean, I think they recognized with all the turnover on the blue line, Mm -hmm. they needed some help, like they needed a life preserver. And uh, that wasn't necessarily going to come from the personnel. It is what it is. But they do have a very talented group of forwards on this team, albeit young. And sometimes it can be very difficult, especially when you got young offensive players like the Jets do. I mean, Patrick Lyon, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, they haven't had to play a lot of defense in their careers, right? Every step of the way in their hockey careers, it's all, they're, they're the best defensive player on their team. It's all about scoring. doesn't really work that way in the NHL. You need to be able to defend. You need to be able to help your D out. And you're right. I mean, I think even in Pittsburgh the other night, that was probably the best example of that system you're mm-hmm. talking about, Steve, mm-hmm. where... You just saw it was like a it was a five man kind of unit. Everybody working in conjunction. And you're right, way more north, south, west, east, west, which again was hard. I think to convince some of these,
0: like like even a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, who was constantly Absolutely. going the wrong way. Right, he was going straight up and down the ice
1: a, a lot more against this. Way, uh, Alex Burevich could not play in this <laughs> yeah. system. If they're he was the biggest uh, east west player yeah. they probably ever had in yeah. this organization. Um, and yeah, there, there's just you know, and I think there's going to be an accountability, it seems like, with all these forwards. Uh, we're seeing it early in terms of how Paul Maurice is deploying some of his lines. Um, you know, Andrew Kopp being the second-line center is a great example of that. There's a guy who's very defensively aware and responsible. Some might say he's playing too high up in the lineup, but I think Paul Maurice likes what a guy like Andrew Kopp can do and, and how he is often thinking defense first. So if the Jets are going to have success this year, I think they recognize that there are some holes in this lineup. They need to find ways to try and fill those holes, and the forward group, for sure, is is playing a big role in yeah, that.
0: Yeah, like any sport, you can co- you can devise a game plan, Absolutely. hopefully, that will use your personality. Good coaches, anyways. Uh, you, you hope so. You would hope that Paul Maurice would be able to do that yeah. by now, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, one thing we're going to do here with this podcast, as well, as we're going to have three segments. Yes. Like three, three periods. Like three periods yeah. in hockey, right? There's three. Yeah. So, and we maybe we will have an overtime if we, if, <laughs> if we have something exactly, really juicy just, to yeah, we'll have delve in. And then a shootout. A oh, shootout, oh my God. boy. Everybody hates the I'm shootout, sure Steve. I don't doing. think we want the shootout. <laughs> All right. So. And it, forget about. Uh, forget about. Um, before we wrap up this uh, f- uh, first segment, and, and then we'll try to keep each one to around 10 minutes or so, just so people know. Uh, super, yeah, we're going
1: to uh, no. go 20-minute periods, right? No, That's no, too exactly.
0: Yeah. Is, um, you touched on one thing about the travel, and uh, you and I emailed a little bit this week about it, uh, how everybody thinks how glamorous it is to be uh, traveling on the road with the Winnipeg Jets. Tell the folks about your uh, getting to Pittsburgh on uh, Monday, I guess it was, right?
1: yeah it was uh, that was an early wake. so I mentioned Sunday night Long Island. it's a bit of a commute to Manhattan. and I was actually, again, I had originally booked a hotel in Brooklyn, which is where we thought the Jets are playing. Then ten days before the game they they change it. It's way too late now to get any kind of reasonable rate, say in Long Island. so I had a hotel in Manhattan where I'd been staying for the first two games. I ended up just extending, got the same rate, extended the hotel. The problem was Sunday night, the game ends at whatever, 11 o'clock. Or by the time we're done writing and filing, it's, it's well after 11, 1130. It's over an hour to now get back to Manhattan. I don't get back in my hotel till probably around one in the morning. The problem was I had a 6 a.m. flight to Pittsburgh on Monday and coming from Manhattan to JFK, like that's a good hour and a half hike depending on traffic. So um, one hour of sleep. And here's the thing about, I'm terrified sometimes to go to sleep when you know that you only have a short right. time. Right. I set as many alarms as possible. I actually had four alarms set on Monday morning. Plus a pl- wake up call. Plus a wake right. up call. Okay, yeah. I had my TV set to come on. Like we're talking a full assault on the senses where I actually jolted because I'd only been asleep for an hour, probably very little of it, actually a deep sleep, but yeah, off to the airport, one hour of sleep. I also got stuck in a middle seat, which I I don't know about you. Ouch. I find it impossible to actually try and sleep. I'm afraid to sleep in a middle seat. My fear is that I'm going <laughs> to lean on the person to my left or to my right, and use them as a pillow. Like that's not good. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a long day. And then, um, well, I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but something happened Tuesday night in Pittsburgh, Steve. That uh, is, it w- it's, it's it, with my iPhone. I don't know if you heard the story. Oh but yeah, you told me you my, dropped it off the ledge. I dropped it literally Steve's out mic. of the press box, about fifty <laughs> feet below. Um, this isn't a. We're not paid or sponsored by OtterBox, but maybe we should be because my OtterBox saved my phone from smashing into a million pieces. I blame fatigue for that one. I was, uh, I was working tired.
0: So, Mike, one of the biggest storylines on the opening road trip, obviously, was the uh, team's defense or the lack thereof. thereof. Well, I mean. Personnel-wise. Personnel-wise, yeah, Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, uh, Dustin Bufflin uh, missing still. Uh, A couple guys getting hurt. Josh Morrissey not playing. Um, Tell me your thoughts today, right now, on the Dustin Bufflin situation. I mean, it's like the team in some regard is being held hostage by this man. Um, um, I've, you know, my feeling is, is that, geez, I sure wish if I was, if I was in the team's position, I sure wish he would have told us this in June. We could have done something about this. And, and then at what point does this become where you, you know, you terminate his contract? Is there a rule? Is there anything like this? Like, How does this get solved? Or or is it it completely in Dustin Bufflin's hands? Or can the team be proactive in this at some point?
1: It really is entirely in Dustin Bufflin's hands. I've kind of looked into the wording of standard player contracts. So Jake Dotson last year, defensive with the Tampa Bay Lightning, they terminated his contract in camp. That was like a first. I I don't know the last time that's happened in the NHL. They did it because Dotson apparently came into camp like 40 pounds overweight, hadn't done any kind of training. And there was wording in the player's contract that basically said he had failed to abide by what was expected of him as a professional hockey player. Like playing hockey? Right, that he (laughs) hadn't maintained a certain level of fitness. Okay. And so they were able, there was a challenge, the NHLPA got involved. Ultimately, Tampa was able to terminate his contract. Um, Dodgson actually later got himself back in shape, signed signed a minor league deal with Anaheim. I say that, though, because with Dustin Bufflin, it wouldn't appear that he's done anything that would, quote-unquote, violate his 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 contract that the Jets could just say, uh, you're done. We're terminating this. You don't get your $14 million. All they really well, can, they're not paying him no, now. So no. all they can do is what they've done here, which is they're not paying him. They've suspended him because he didn't report to training camp, albeit they understand it's not like he's missing. They know why he didn't report to training camp. Um, and I think as long as Bufflin cites the retirement angle in all of this, they really are in a difficult spot where they can't just, they can't force retirement on a player is what I'm saying. They can't say, if you don't tell us by October 31st, we'll make the decision for you. You're done. I mean, ideally, yeah, I'm sure they'd love to be able to set a hard deadline and then have some finality. Because as you said, the hostage part of this is that the Jets even though they have Dustin Bufflin's money now available to them because they're not paying him, he's off the books, they can't go out and make a trade or, I mean, there's not really any free agent you could go sign now. Well, there's a few available. So you're
0: telling me that they couldn't go and sign hypothetically Dion Phaneuf for a certain amount of money at some point in time here, let's say December 1. And then when Bufflin then says, oh, I've decided I want to come back and play, they go, ah, no. We don't have any money for you. They They, couldn't.
1: They couldn't. He's he's a signed player, and he'd um, be entitled to come back. Right. The team couldn't just. I mean, what they could do, I suppose, is put him on waivers. Right. I mean, the the normal remedies. All right. So they and they could send him to the Moose, for instance, and get his. But, no, they couldn't just tell him, sorry, we don't have any room for you at the end. Right. So Bufflin has the power now. Saying that, every day Bufflin is away from the team, the Jets are banking cap space, which could become valuable down the road. I don't know the exact, I don't have the exact number on hand, but it's tens of thousands of dollars every single day that he's not on the cap that's accumulating that the Jets might be able to do something with. So let's just say he comes back January one. Well, now they're only paying him the prorated part of his 7.6. Yeah, sure. And the money they would have saved, say, in the three months he was away, they could now use that to go make a big trade and take on salary. Okay. But as we sit here today in early October, if the Jets want to fill Dustin Bufflin's void, let's say via a trade, I mean, it would have to be a trade where they're not taking really a penny more than what is going out. It would have to be like a money-in, money-out trade. right. Um, and that puts them in a tough spot. And that's like, as you say, Steve, I mean,
0: did you hear any grumbling while you're on the road? I mean, to me, I mean, I grumble if, if, if somebody doesn't show up for work and I have to do some of their work type of thing, right? I mean, it's human, right? (laughs) So like, did you hear any type of grumbling while you're on the road? I mean, at some point in time that wouldn't the teammates be going like, dude, like, you know, like, hello.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody said in, said the right things in camp. We're supporting them. Blah, blah, blah. Honestly, I get the impression, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, like they just play. Right. And, I mean, the other question on the whole Bufflin situation, let's say he decides tomorrow that, you know what, okay, I'll come back and play. What in the world are they getting out of Dustin Bufflin? There's an, I don't see any way they get value out of a Dustin Bufflin now who, by all accounts, didn't train all summer, didn't skate all summer. If and when he rejoins the team, he'd be – he'd be way behind everybody else. Look at William Nylander with Toronto last year, missing the first two months. He never recovered. And that's a young kid that's in prime shape. What's a 34-year-old with a bum ankle who hasn't skated all year? Like, what are you getting from him? And that's what I mean. If you're the Jets, I don't think you can really have Dustin Bufflin as part of your plans going forward, but you still do have to keep that you know that spot for him in case he decides um it's a it's a terrible situation like you said if they had known about this months earlier i mean did they resign Tyler Myers Ben Chirardi Jake Gartner who's had a things, great yeah. start with Carolina yeah. there's all yeah. kinds of things they could have done instead by finding this out on the eve of camp you know he walked into Kevin Shoveldayoff's office on the Thursday and dropped this bombshell which to me, that's the that's the part of all of this that doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, uh, who knows what's going to happen with this. I guess well, it's, it's been a great story for us anyway. Yeah. It's just a, something to write about in Be- Between Kemp, the sure Lion A and Connor. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah I mean, A and Connor. So they did sign. They both got decent contracts. Obviously, Connor got the long-term one. The Lion
1: got the bridge deal. How about the kind fact of, Josh Morrissey of, got the A?
0: Yeah, well, that's not surprising, really.
1: No, except... Uh, they made it. They, they've. They made it clear that even if Dustin Bufflin came back, Josh Morrissey's still an alternate captain. Does that mean Bufflin would be stripped of the A, or would they go with? A didn't nut- they
0: say they were going to alternate it on certain games nope, and stuff like nope, that? No, no, nope. he's that? permanent oh. alternate
1: captain. Okay, but again, you talk about leader. Did Dustin Bufflin show really good leadership in how he handled this situation? Uh, I suspect if you gave all his teammates some truth serum that. I imagine there's a lot of them that aren't impressed at all.
0: So I've, I, I mean, you've maybe heard me say this before. I've never been a fan of the leadership core here, of the group of people that came from Atlanta originally. Most of them are now gone. Um, I was never a fan of the way of, of Andrew Ladd as captain. I was never a fan. I've never been a fan of Buffalo's leadership. Um, I'm, I'm not crazy about Blake Wheeler's uh, leadership. Uh, I think that it's good. I always thought that the person, who, the people who needed to lead this team were the Josh Morrises, and the guy that I really thought that should have led this team, who's no longer on this team, who they said was going to lead this team, was Jacob Truba. Now, Truba, in my mind, if you're going to ever look back at the history of the Winnipeg Jets and look at a person who was mishandled by the organization, it would be Jacob Truba. Here's a guy that you, and and looking at him watching him play that opening game against the Rangers, oh my goodness. Did
1: he ever loved sticking it to the Jets. Totally. You see a celebration after he yeah. stuck <laughs> that. Jacob Truba showed more personality and excitement in that goal celebration than he'd shown at any time in his Jets career. Yeah, there
0: was a couple of times where I saw Truba actually smile um, after he scored a goal for the Jets, and I was like, you know, like it's... But this was over the top. Yeah, in my opinion, he was really mishandled from the beginning, Um, and this is a bit of a tangent here for me, is that... But I don't think they're ever going to recover. It's going to take a long time to recover losing what, in my mind, is a stud defenseman that um you know you drafted him you developed him you talked about how he was going to be the next chris pronger he played like that he was a hard-edged guy and yeah he wanted significant money remember the big contract thing and and in retrospect what if they had given him that money then
1: well, and again, we talk about Dustin Bufflin. What if the Jets knew in April that Bufflin was done? Yeah. Did they still trade Jacob Truba? Exactly. I mean, he got $8 million. Well, at
0: that point, I think Truba wanted Trubble, out. Right. Because now he's got the girlfriend in the States. Yeah. And, or are they married now? Fiance. Fiance. Yeah, and she's, so she's going to medical things school. Things have and changed for Jacob Truba in sure. his life since when they had the opportunity to make yeah. this guy a long-term you know, deal. I'll
1: say this about the Truba trade. I mean, it looked terrible at the time, the return, and I don't know if the Jets will ever. I mean, they always say, right, the, when you lose the best player, you lose the trade. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, I think Neil Pionks looked pretty serviceable through four games. Serviceable. And, yeah, <laughs> which maybe is all you can... Uh, but Ville Hanala might be the wild card in all this, right? Like, the 18-year-old looks like... yeah. Now, that being said, that was the Jets' original draft pick that yeah. they traded for Kevin Hayes. Right. So you do kind of have to look at the big picture uh, of that the Jets got their own pick back. They were going to get that guy anyways if they hadn't traded right. for Hayes. Yeah. Uh, but still, maybe that will make it a little more palatable for Jets fans if Henela and Pionk both go on to have really good careers with the Jets. You say, well, we got some good value back and obviously we saved some money, which let's face it, that Trouba money may have been used to sign Line A or Connor yeah, or yeah. Josh Morrissey to the extension he got, but... Uh, time will tell. Time will we'll tell. We'll talk indeed. about it again on Jet Cetera. Absolutely. <laughs> Good segue.
0: All right, Mike. Uh, it's the third period um, of our, our third segment of yeah. the Jet Cetera here, and I think what we'll try to do uh, going forward is is to talk about some other sports this or is the other Cetra hockey. part. This is the, we Cetra. Did the Jets part. Now it's the
1: Cetra, <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: whatever that means. <laughs> uh, who invented that word? I'm not sure where. i will have to Google it. Yeah, get on the get on the googly and find out uh, how Cetra ever came about. So big news. Yeah. Um, uh, yesterday, here in Bomberland, uh, uh, the blue and gold go out, and finally. Finally, sign a uh, or trade for a veteran quarterback in Zach Kalaros. Um, the Bombers have been out without a veteran quarterback since Matt Nichols got hurt. He's done for the year with shoulder surgery. They've been trying to uh, get by with uh, second year player Chris Strevler, yep. who has been. Um, uh ineffective
1: he's a running back he's a, he's a, as a quarterback.
0: he's a he's a very good running back this guy's a as quarterback. quarterback yeah listen he's won a couple of games he's showed some things um but they're on to him now right like teams I think have so. figured
1: out what he does right it seems like maybe he fooled everybody early but Everybody's now they know what they're getting. Well, oh, yeah, them.
0: I think so. And the, and the game plan has been weird too, in that they've gone away from his strengths. I'm not, uh, yeah. I mean, we could go on and on about the the, the troubles in. He had more in, carries in, than, in than Andrew Harris last week. He did, which is yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. So they've signed Zach Kolaros, a guy that uh, has uh, had concussion history. Yeah. Here's a guy that the bombers originally chased big time
1: five years ago, right? Yeah,
0: and they they had to settle for Drew Willie at the time yeah. and. And they were super excited to have Drew Willie, which uh, we all know how that turned out. Willie Peg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now they've they've gotten uh, Zach Kalaros. Um Apparently he's healthy to play. He won't be in the lineup this weekend. Um, you know, I'm just not exactly sure what's going on with the Bombers. Uh, you know, on one on one day they say they don't need a veteran quarterback, and then the next day they go out and they get one. So um, they're scrambling a little bit. Totally.
1: There. Well, and and the big question I guess I mean they, they've pretty much made it clear is still the number one right yep. so I suppose two th- one of two things happens here if Strebler plays well then Zach Caleros we barely see him mm-hmm. but I suppose if is playing well then that probably means things are going okay for the Bombers if Strebler continues to struggle and we do see Caleros as sort of the you know break glass in a case of emergency which Caleros kind of is here is it too little too late? I mean, the bombers are already barring something surprising in these last three weeks that they're, they're facing a real prospect of having to go win two games on the road yep. in the playoffs, right? Yep. Probably finishing third. Mm-hmm. Although that home and home with Calgary very much could be, you know, it looks like well, Saskatch- they've both those games and they're They're right. way better off. Yeah. Um, they may actually have to play Calgary three straight times the way the schedule's mm-hmm. kind of shaping up. But, mm. um, the thing with Caleros, as you say, he's, he's supposedly healthy. It sounds like, though, he, I mean, is he one hit away from kind of being done?
0: Well, he kind of always is. It yeah. seems like it's unfortunate. The guy's a real talented quarterback. Yes. And he has these concussion issues. And, you know, we saw that here in Winnipeg with a guy named Buck Pierce, who was a really talented quarterback and just couldn't stay. Right. Couldn't keep his head, you know, I wonder healthy. if
1: we will see them, maybe not this week, of course, but the last two weeks and then if once they get to the playoffs, if they will try to work them both in i mean i thought when the bombers were most effective when matt nichols was healthy is when they'd they'd also give you a healthy dose of Mm strabler really change things up and that i think had teams defensively kind of guessing or on 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 their toes um so maybe they work Caleros in a little bit and then I think they become ne- a two-headed monster
0: I think they need to see what they have in Zach Caleros a little bit if, if even if it's not this year for next year because I, <laughs> I really don't see them going forward with Matt Nichols I mean here's a guy that has uh, been hurt in consecutive Two seasons years, now major injuries major injuries not getting any younger not getting any younger you know and, and are, are you gonna he's he's a free agent like his contract is up at the end of this year you know, he's making 400000 plus a year. Like, there's just no way yeah. you can commit to that guy. It's incredible,
1: so. isn't it? I mean, I think at the start of the year, everybody thought the Bombers had to pick between one of Nichol- Nichols or because mm-hmm. They're both free agents. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be something if the decision ends up being neither? It should be, Right, frankly, and, and that's, yeah. I think, you know, there were there were people celebrating when Nichols went down, right? People, Strebler fans who said, yeah. this is his time yeah. to shine. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the roses come off a little bit. Yeah, I had a uh-huh. guy.
0: There's a guy that I know. He used to be a reporter for the Globe and Mail. And he I bumped into him about a week, a week before Straveler, uh, uh, after Nichols got hurt. And he says, Chris Straveler is the greatest young quarterback I've seen come into the league <laughs> since Matt Dunnigan. And I looked at him. I go, like, oh, you're crazy. And he was, like, insisting on it. And So um, I hope he's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shows what you know. But, but, there, but- there, there, there are other really... There are other really good young quarterbacks in the league who will be free agents this offseason. Sure. Who the Bombers should pursue? I'm curious to see who the general manager will be. <laughs> well, that's that the pursues that quarterback, though. Yeah. If
1: if the Bombers if they're one and done in the playoffs this year, there's got to be changes, right? I mean,
0: I th- I, you would think so. I'm this- still leery. To think that Mike O'Shea's gonna get fired my feeling is is that the guy that would get fired first would be Kyle Walters
1: yeah I mean the, the Mike O'Shea situation got a lot more interesting this week with with Jim Pop and Toronto and mm-hmm. now pinball mm-hmm. Clemens in there right mm-hmm. I mean O'Shea to Toronto with hes still got a contract here though he, he does can't go anywhere yeah um but it may be a mutually agreed upon thing I mean who knows Uh, But yeah, lots of intrigue for sure and the quarterback situation. And let's face it, I mean, you don't have a quarterback. You really don't have a chance. This is a quarterback league and it's crazy. I mean, the Bombers, that's consistently been their thorn, hasn't it? Whereas other teams seem to be quarterback factories just pumping and you look even around the league this year, Mike Riley, he's the only starter that hasn't got hurt, right? Which is incredible in and of itself. He was under siege in the opening weeks with BC. But how many teams have used their backups to actually excel and the bombers were put in that position and they haven't taken advantage of it yeah i've
0: not been uh i know that uh, over the years people talk about how uh the only way to win in the cfl is 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 you win with your good canadian talent yeah i, I don't believe that i've you know I've, I've watched the cfl for a long time covered it for a long time and canadian talent is important but it's it's kind of easy if you just draft Canadians, they're going to, you're going to have some good Canadians, but the teams that invariably win the great cup have the best import talent. They have the best import quarterback. They have the best import linebackers. Yeah. They have the best import receivers and, and they win with those players. No, Listen, it's great if you have a great Canadian running back and that helps you or whatever. But if you don't have great American receivers and defensive backs and linebackers, you're not going to win. And this team, has not been able to accomplish that and, and 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 so they don't get over the top and that to me goes to the general manager Kyle Walters he's this guy that is supposed to be a Canadian talent guru yeah. and uh, that's great that they have some good Canadian talent but that's not winning them As a great As we up.
1: sit here and the snow is falling outside and it seems like winter is is on our doorstep it, doesn't doesn't that five and and0 oh start and the the dog days yeah. of summer? That seems like a lifetime it's ago, a long doesn't ways it? Away, and yeah. my goodness, I mean, everybody in this town it seemed was convinced this is the year the drought finally ends. The <laughs> bombers look like the class of the league, and uh, and then the rails sort of came off. So so it is
0: October, and uh, along with the hockey and. Uh, and uh, football, of course. There's October baseball. Yes. Mike, and, I got to go to a Yankees uh, game. I know. Uh, Tell me about going oh to the Yankees goodness. game. Oh, my
1: goodness. So I, I was at Old Yan- you, you, I know Wiesick. I'm not a Yankee We Wiesick's a yeah, no, Yankee stop fan, stop it. Right? Yeah, Wiesick is. Yeah, yeah, you and, you and Sick <laughs> can say what. always go at it. And didn't sick <laughs> actually last week predict that the Yankees were going to find a way to blow he it? He says it, that
0: every year. They it, just destroyed Minnesota. It's like, like Minnesota. a protector for know. himself, right?
1: And, I mean, I feel bad for the Twins. <laughs> I was at Yankee Stadium Saturday night. Jets had an off day. Um, so that was game two. The Yankees obliterated them. It right. the was 8-1. They swept the series, of course. I, I'm a bit of a Twins fan. Like I have a soft spot, and I feel bad. Minnesota's now, like I think that's four straight playoff appearances over – over a decade or longer in which they've like been swept by the Yankees that's their nemesis they can't get by them Uh, but what a great experience Uh, I'd been at old Yankee Stadium like over a decade ago my first time at doesn't have the same charm I guess obviously as as old Yankee Stadium but a great great venue in the Bronx uh, to watch baseball and October baseball is the best baseball I mean how about? just last night the Dodgers absolutely blew it i was captivated oh, boo-hoo. by the game boo-hoo. yeah i mean nobody's crying for i think they got the biggest payroll right in the league boo-hoo. but i mean yeah october baseball is just sensational so uh i don't know i mean there it's kind of anybody's the Yankees seem to be a team on a mission here but uh st louis and and washington is not the no the NLDS that anybody would have predicted that's for sure um but yeah, I mean, I'm also a bit of a Blue Jay fan, so I hate to I hate to 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 cheer anything the Yankees do. Got to be impressed that lineup they have. That's a murderer's row out there, and it was quite something to see all these guys, you know, in person play at Yankee Stadium the other day.
0: well, good for you. Okay, so uh, folks, that's um that's a wrap pretty much on our first episode of Jet Cetra, our new podcast yes. featuring me, sports editor Steve Lyons, and him, the guy sitting across That's from me, me, Mike McIntyre, our sports <laughs> columnist. Um, I'm going to close with thanking Arts and Life columnist, Jen Zarati, Thanks, Jen, who's actually in the room here with us producing and showing us how to do this Yes, because uh, we need that. Uh, Jen and uh, a fellow Arts and Life Aaron reporter, Labar. Aaron Labar also have a podcast it's called bury the lead so uh, check that out weekly
1: check it out weekly yes yeah.
0: they're on episode 109, 109. wow we we're at number one <laughs> 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 we're little babies mike yeah so it's great doing this great yeah. to see you and uh we'll uh, talk to you and uh, chat with all you folks again thanks folks <laughs>